Hey, listen, I, it's just a great time just to be here. And if you're new, man, I'm telling you, you picked a great series to jump in on. We're actually in the middle of a series of talks around the life of a character that maybe if you were like me, this is me. I grew up in church going to Sunday school. And there's some of these stories, you know, that you hear about people that kind of almost feel like fairy tales because of learning them as a kid. And so I felt like, hey, one of the things I want to do is I want to bring these stories back because I think that there's something we can relate to when it comes to them. And so we've been studying the life of a young man named Gideon that God raised up in a really difficult time for the nation of Israel. And if I could just say, if there was any kind of tagline, if they were going to make a movie about the life of Gideon, I would suggest putting this tagline under his life because I feel like this is how we can relate to him. And that is this. This is what I learned through his story. That God loves to use ordinary people to do what? I've been saying it for weeks. To do extraordinary things. Do you believe that? God loves... He specializes in ordinary people. Some of you go, I just feel average. I, mean, I don't know. There's nothing I think great about me. I didn't score that well. I wasn't real top of my class. I don't make a lot of money. I'm not in a real influential job. I don't have a blue check mark next to my handle. Like some of you, you're looking like, what? How could God use me? Can I just tell you, if you feel ordinary today, that you are exactly who God wants to use because when God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, guess what? You don't get the credit He does. And so God loves to use ordinary people. Come on, do you believe that God wants to use you? He does. He wants to use you to do something significant in your life for His kingdom. And my prayer is to the series, my heart is that you would begin to ask if you haven't been. You begin to, okay, God, what do you want, what do, you want to do with my life? That's a scary prayer. But, but my hope is that some of you maybe are starting to think that. Like, I don't know, I just, I just go to work and I'm, I'm just an accountant or I'm just that. No, you're not just that. You, you, are, you are not an accident. You are God's design plan for this time and space to make a difference for His kingdom. And so I just really want to challenge you to begin thinking, okay, what could God, how could God use me? I'm just ordinary. You know, I tell my family all the time, I'm ordinary. I'm ordinary. They keep telling me, though, that I'm extra. So I don't know if that means I'm extraordinary or I'm extraordinary. I'm not sure which one that is, but all I know is that God wants to use you and He wants to use me to do things that we can't even imagine. Now, before you get all excited, because you're like, all right, Pastor, let's go. I'm ready. All right, however he wants to use me. I need you to understand this one principle, this one truth, and that is this. Doing something extraordinary for God will always require extraordinary faith. Can I say it again? Doing something extraordinary for God, listen to me, Lancaster, will always require extraordinary faith. Now, now I'm not saying like, you mean gotta have faith like Billy Graham or I gotta, I gotta faith like the Apostle Paul or I gotta faith like, I'm not saying that kind of faith. What, what I'm saying is this, that when God invites you to do something significant for His kingdom, what I want you to understand is that it will always require a step of faith where you will feel like you are unqualified, you are under-resourced, you are outnumbered, you are unskilled for what God's asking you to do. Please hear this. It will, it will always stretch you. In other words, the kind of faith I'm talking about is that God is going to pull you out of a comfort zone to do something you're not sure if you can really even do. Throughout the Bible, you see this over and over. David, a little shepherd boy, going to take on a giant warrior. 
Dude, you're outgunned, outmanned, outmuscled, out all of that. But God loves, he specializes in taking ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, let me just say, when God stretches you, and some of you through this series, I believe God's going to be speaking to you. It's time to start serving. It's time to start giving. It's time to start. And you're scared to death. Let me just tell you, God's going to stretch you, but it might be scary. And that's okay. It might be scary. Because that's what Gideon discovered. In fact, the moment he's like, yes, God, that's when it got really scary. I want to read to you. We're going to pick up his story if you've got a Bible with you. I, I want to pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 33. And we've been learning about Gideon and how God was raising him up to help deliver them against the Midianites who had been oppressing them for seven years. And so Gideon says yes to God. All right, if you want to use me, I don't think there's anything special. And then what he faces is, honestly, it's really scary. Here's what it says, verse 33. It says, now all the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan. That means they came into their territory and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34 says, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms. That was what the trumpet blast was. Come on, we're going to battle, guys. And also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. And so they too went up to meet them. Now, let me give you a little bit of a picture because I think it's easy sometimes, I always say this, to read the Bible and just gloss over small details that make a big difference. And when I look at his story, and, and maybe you know his story, is like he's scared to death, he's not a warrior, he's a young guy, and God said, I'm going to use you to deliver the Israelites against the Midianites. Now, what the Midianites were doing is they would come into their country with these raids, and they would go in and they would steal their crops, steal animals, kill other animals, they would leave them impoverished, leave them without weapons. They would oppress them. That's how they kept control of the Israelites. And God had removed his hand of protection. And so they would come in and do that. That is not what is happening here. Okay? Please, please note this. That's not, it's not like, oh, here they come again. They're going to raid us. Okay, get some people and let's go attack them. That's not what's happening. What's happening is, notice it says that the Midianites joined up now with another group, the Amalekites and others, Cellulite and all these other ites and Eastern groups. And they says that they cross. Some of you are like finally getting that. You're like, is that a people? Ah. And it says they cross over the Jordan River. That was the border of Israel's territory. And they came and they camped in Israel's territory. That's like being bullied. And then all of a sudden the bully shows up at your house opens the door, comes in and sits on your couch. Now what you gonna do about it? And by the way, imagine this, it was the Midianites were the problem. Now his problem got way bigger than what he could have ever imagined. It wasn't just the Midianites. They joined forces with all these other. And the reason why is because they weren't coming in there to harass them. They were coming in to annihilate them and take possession of their land. This is, this is like Gideon, like I can imagine going, ah, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I, I mean, the Midianites, I, I kind of got the rhythm. Like, okay, I'll fight back if you want me to try this. I don't know if it's going to work. But then all of a sudden, what I'm saying is the step of faith actually became a leap of faith. And I wonder if maybe today some of you can maybe identify where, where you feel like maybe there was a, a moment recently where you, you kind of said, okay, I'm going to turn 
And I'm going to begin to follow God. Maybe there was a moment where you kind of made this all in decision. Like I'm going to, uh, something I'm going to change in my life. Maybe you're like, okay, we're getting our finances in order. And we're going to honor God first and give him the first fruits. And then we're going to get out of debt and we're going to do this thing the right way. And then as soon as that, all of a sudden you make that decision, it seems like work lays one of you off. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I, I, I'm trying to move in the, I'm trying to go with you, God. I'm trying to do this. What happened now? Or, or maybe you kind of felt inspired by God to, to reach out, extend an olive branch to somebody that you've had a broken relationship with. And you've had your position. They've had their position. You're like, I'm holding that. And, and all of a sudden, God prompts you and says, no, I want you to actually, you be the first one. And I want you to go and you want, I want you to mend that. And when you do that, all of a sudden, it gets a lot worse. Well, where, where are you, God? Or maybe your kind of family is falling apart and your marriage is a mess and you're like, okay, I need, I need something. So you begin to pursue Jesus and you, and you begin to like, I'm all in and you're going to church every week and I'm going to try to read my Bible and I'm actually praying and, and, and you think it should get better, but then your marriage is starting to get worse. Or, or let's just say that you already decide to take a big step of faith and build some building, but then in a delay that that same building goes up in cost nearly 30%. And so then all of a sudden that step of faith just became a leap of faith. You know what I'm talking about church? Are you with me? I'm just saying that sometimes when God calls you to do something extraordinary, it's going to take extraordinary faith. And oftentimes, here's what I found with God. is like, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's go. And then it gets worse. It's not just the Midianites. It's also the Amalekites. And it's also all these people, huge army, and they're right in my face, ready to take me out. When that happens, the tendency is to freak out, to think we are outmanned, we are outnumbered. There's no way possible. And I just want you to understand that whatever God prompts your heart, and I believe through this series, maybe God is doing that. He's not going to let you just stay comfortable. He's going to push you a little bit. And, and I believe when God does prompt your heart about something, that the tendency is to say, okay, what do I have? I don't, not, I don't have enough time. I don't have money. I don't have skill. I don't have... And begin to look at your own deficiencies and what you don't have. And listen, this is where Gideon would be, if, but there's one thing, and this is so critical, that happened to Gideon that you could just easily read past. And I read it in verse 34. And if you've got a Bible, I'd mark it because I feel like this is the key. It said in verse 34 that the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord. Can I just tell you that whatever you feel that God calls you to do that is really scary, you can't do it in your own strength. You cannot, you don't have enough skill. You don't have enough understanding. You don't have enough resource. I get all that. What you really need is the Spirit of God to come upon you. Because when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, even though the odds were so far against them, he still blows the trumpet and says, guys, we're going to battle. All because the Spirit of the Lord came. Do you realize that the same spirit we're talking about that gave Gideon the courage to blow the trumpet and say, let's go to battle. Do you realize that same spirit lives and dwells in you as a Christ follower? And it is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. Do you even realize? I, th I, th I think one of, the, one of the greatest detriments that we have today in our world is a church that doesn't even realize about the power that is available to us. That power I'm talking about comes through the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And I find that a lot of Christians don't even know about this. By the way, that's why I cannot tell you how much I will beat 
this until I, I'm done. This is a horse. And it, it, you need to go to XU. You need to go. This is a growth track. And by the way, one of the things we talk in there about is about this power. What does that mean? How does that change life? How do we look different because the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us? And I'm telling you, it's not just a singular moment like Gideon experience, but you can walk in it and live in it every single day of your life. When you're going to work, when you're going to school, you feel like, I can't handle this. Oh, well, wait a minute. The Spirit of God is in me. He's in me. Greater is He that's in me. He's in me. He's, okay, the Spirit of God's in me. It reminds me of Samson. Samson, we all think he's a super strong guy that could do supernatural things like, like, like when I was growing up, uh, John Jacobs and the power team. I don't know if anybody knows that name. That's super old. That's an old throwback, okay? Listen, I, I'm here to tell you that what gave Samson the strength to defeat his enemies when he was outnumbered, you read it, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There's a supernatural thing that God wants to give you to do what he calls you to do. And you can't do it on your own. And so God wants to give you that, like Gideon. Now, of course, let me just say this. You can have all the faith in the world. It's okay, God, I believe you. Let's go. Let's, we're going to do this. You, all the faith in the world. But let me just tell you this. You might still be scared. And I think sometimes we, we've kind of got this confused idea that if, if you got faith, then you won't be afraid of anything. If you got faith, you won't be scared. Just go. Can I tell you, I haven't found that to be true. Sometimes you can take a step of faith and be really scared that you don't know what's going to happen. And that's what Gideon, Gideon has that moment. In fact, Gideon does something. I want to read this to you in verse 36. This is what I would argue that Gideon is probably most well known for. What I'm about to read to you, what he did. In verse 36, it says this. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand. I love how he drops this. Oh, as you promised. Promise. Okay. Verse 37 says, look, um, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. And if there is only dew on the fleece and all the ground around it is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Verse 38 says, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day and he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a all the dew, a bowl full of water, yet the ground was dry all the way around it. So you think that'd be kind of cool. It's like, all right, God, let's see, you know, prove it to me. And then verse 39, Gideon's like, eh, I'm not really sure if that was a coincidence or not. And so notice what he does. It says, Gideon said to God, mm, don't be angry with me. Uh, let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, let's make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. Like, it's like maybe by chance the fleece kind of was still a little wet or something and maybe the ground. I just, let's flip it. Let's see how good you really are, God. That's what he said to him. It says that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. It's interesting how, how Gideon says to God, I know what you've promised but I'm not sure that you'll actually come through. I know you make promises, God, but I'm not sure you deliver on your promises. Now, before we get real upset with Gideon, before you think, my gosh, why would God pick this guy? He has no faith. He doesn't trust him. Why, why would he do that? I want to remind you of how Gideon grew up. If you were here week one, I talked about it. 
when the angel first appeared to him and he's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat because he's afraid. You remember when the angel appeared to him, the first thing the angel said to him, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know what Gideon's response was? Oh, oh, oh great. If God's really with me. Then why is it that all these things have happened to us? And then he said this. He said, I, all we know, this is a young man, by the way, that had years growing up probably, where they're just constantly harassed by this other nation, that he says, all we know is that these stories of all the great things God has done happened a long time ago, our forefathers, but we haven't seen it. And you know what I thought? I thought, I bet that a lot of us can actually relate to that. Because sometimes you come to church and you don't have a lot of faith, but then you come to hear a preacher talk about all the exploits and the things that God has done. And I thought about how many of us, we, we know the stories. Maybe you grew up like me in church, you've heard this story. God part the Red Sea. Awesome. God fed the thousands with a few loaves and fish. God did all these things. That's great back then. What about today? Because my bank account hasn't multiplied yet and I've been praying for it. Like, I, I can kind of relate when, when you get to a place in your life where maybe you go, that's great, God, that you do all these things, you made all these promises, but I, I haven't experienced them in my life. And so Gideon's like, I hear you, but I'm just not sure I believe you. That's basically what he said to him. And the real question that I have for us today is this, as we wrestle through our own journey and what God's calling us to. What Gideon does is, is a little bit controversial in the church world. Most would tell you, don't do what Gideon did, right? Um, the real question I wanted to ask you is this. Is it wrong to ask God for a sign? That's, that's what I wanted to ask. Is it wrong to test God? God, if you just show me a I mean, you know, is it wrong? Can, let's just be honest today. Here in Lancaster, I, I, I want to participate. Let's be honest. How many of you would at least admit that you have kind of tested God, kind of like getting at least once? Raise your hand, hold it up high. Come on, let's just own it. Yeah, I have. Come on, who hasn't done that with God? Maybe you, there was a time in your life you didn't even believe in God. You were like, I don't know that there is a God, but you woke up late one day for work and you prayed, God in heaven, if you are out there, if you will make every light green, I will believe you exist. Who has not given God that test before? Come on. I have. Or when you see the little red and blue lights in your rearview mirror and you say, God, if you are out there and you get me out of this ticket, I will believe in you and I will worship you. Come on, who hasn't done that? We all probably have. And yet we've heard, I've always heard this. This is what I've always heard. There was a command that God gave Israel long before. That you should not put the Lord your God to the what? To the test. Are we, are we not to test God? Because it looks like Gideon does. That's what it said. Gideon tests God with a fleece. Like, it's like, I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to be doing that because I've always heard, this is theologic, I've always heard that we are not to test God except in one area because God invited us to, and that is with the tithe. Malachi 3.10. God said, test me in this. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. God offered, he invited us. That's the only place where God invites us to test him. So then the question I have is this, like, what's Gideon doing? And why does God even respond to Gideon? Well, as I process through it, here, here's, where, here's where I landed. 
Because I, I got to work through this stuff too with you. And, and, and this is where I landed. I, I really believe, is it wrong to test God? Here, here's what I would say. I believe it is wrong to test God when you do it on your terms and for your benefit. I believe, well, this is me, from everything I understand about Scripture and everything, I believe it is wrong to test God on your terms and for your benefit. Do you know what I mean? Because when we do that, what we're actually doing is we're treating God like a fortune teller. God, just tell me the future so I don't have to worry and I don't have to trust you. I don't have to have faith. So if you just kind of make this magically happen, then I know it's you. That is the wrong heart and the wrong, it's kind of like this. And you go, well, I don't think I ever do that really. Because sometimes we do that, you know, we're driving to the store and you're like, okay, God, I don't know if I'm supposed to buy this. But when I get there, if it is on sale, I will know that is you telling me to do it. There are some stores that you go to where everything is always on sale, okay? Be careful doing that. Or it's like, God, I just don't know if she's the one. I don't know. Should I ask her to marry me? I don't know. How about this? Hey, Lord, if she is the next person to text me, then I will know she's the one. Don't do that, stupid. That is so dumb. Because she might have been texting you coincidentally. You know, hey, what time are we meeting? Three o'clock? And she might not be the one that God wants you to marry. So we got to be careful whenever we are testing God on our own terms and for our own benefit, I would argue that it's a sin, that it is wrong to do it. Here's where I see with Gideon. This is what I wanted to say. There is a difference between testing God and seeking confirmation. I want to help you process it. I wanted to be helpful today. This I, I want for you to put in your toolbox. There is a big difference between testing God. Come on, prove yourself. Come on, let's see if you really are who you say you are. If you really can do what you say you can do. Come on, come on, come on. There's a difference between testing God with that attitude and heart and seeking confirmation when God asks you to do something. See, the big difference when I look at Gideon's story is that Gideon didn't ask for this. God asked Gideon to do this. This is God inspiring Gideon to do something for a higher purpose, for a greater purpose. And so in this moment, Gideon is naturally freaked out. You're going to naturally be freaked out at times. God's like, go on a mission trip. No, I can't do it. I, I need real running water and hot water, and I need to sleep in a bed. I can't do it. God's going to push you. It's going to freak you out a little bit. Okay, am I supposed to go? It's okay. Listen, to ask God for confirmation is not okay to test God for your own purpose. In fact, if you want to understand this a little bit more, and this is how I've come to this conclusion, I, I take confusing things of the Old Testament, and I always match them up against the New Testament and primarily Jesus. He's the best one to look at. And there are actually two places where this happened with Jesus, where he was tested, where, where somebody tempted him to test God. One of them was Jesus was led uh, right after he was baptized into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And he spent 40 days and nights alone fasting with God, preparing for ministry. And while he was there, it says the devil came to tempt him. Here's what the devil did. One of them, he took him up on top of the temple. It was really high, top of Temple Mount. And he said, he said, if you really are who you say you are, claim to be from heaven. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself, just jump. And if you really are who you say you are, God won't let you die. He will rescue you. You're safe. He said, just go on. And you know what Jesus said in response to the devil? He quoted Deuteronomy 6. He said, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. He wouldn't do it. I'm not playing your game. No, no, no. There's another time in Matthew 16 when the Pharisees came and they had seen Jesus doing all this stuff, but they didn't want to believe in him. And so they said, all right, all right, look, we'll just sell it right here. 
You go pull one of those little magic tricks, you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat. You go do one of your little things. Let's see the sky do this. Let's see, you know, go do one of those signs that everybody's talking about and then we'll believe. You know what Jesus said to him? He said, a wicked generation seeks a sign and none will be given it. I'm, I am not, listen, God is not going to oftentimes stoop down to our level to try to prove himself. He does not feel like he needs to prove himself. There's a difference between testing God and seeking confirmation. And, and here's what I want to encourage you. When God challenges you in your life, like to step in to do something, you're going to be scared and you're going to want confirmation. Here, here's what I, I boil it all down. Here's what I would give, leave you with this. Um, ask God for confirmation, but don't fleece God. Ask God for confirmation. Let me say it. But don't fleece God. What do I mean by don't fleece God? You, you know, a fleece, like this wolf, it was like a wool, you know, shaggy thing that he put out in the ground. That was the wolf fleece that he laid down. But then there's another use of that word, fleecing. Like, there's an old TV show, some of you probably won't even remember it, a long time ago on TV called Fleecing America. I don't know if you ever saw that show. And it's the word fleecing in that response it is kind of, it means that when you use your own power to manipulate something for your benefit, so the way I like to say is this, don't fleece God. I'm not going to test God for my benefit. I'm not going to test God so that I can get ahead. I'm not going to test God. Okay, God, if you're really out there, then give me that job. No, 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 no. I'm not going to fleece God. But when I'm unsure, I'm going to ask God for confirmation. And here's why you don't need to put out a fleece like Gideon did. The reason why you don't need to do that is because you have something Gideon didn't have. You have the spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And you can know God in a very personal way. Gideon didn't have that. He didn't have that. But because of Jesus, we do. Do you realize that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, wants to have a relationship with you? Wants to be in connection with you? That you, this is what I'm talking about, the power of God. That you can walk a life that is different than everybody else, knowing and hearing the voice of God. And so I want to just, I want to give you just three ways that you can seek confirmation. This is what's helped me in life. And I promise you, you're going to have times in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do. I want you to register back to this. Write these things down. Three things, okay? First is this. Ask God to confirm His will through prayer. We just did a whole series on this, by the way. We try to do things that will help you in your journey of faith. And listen, one, one of the things that we wanted to encourage you to do is begin a rhythm of prayer. Don't get all confused by the word. It's like, oh, I don't know prayers. No, just talk. Tell God your heart. Connect with him. Oh, by the way, when you develop a rhythm of prayer, what happens is you will soon learn how to hear the voice of God. And the reason why a lot of Christ followers today freak out when they have a big decision to make, and I don't know what to do, is because they have no rhythm of talking to God. And then all of a sudden, they need to know what to do. So it's like, okay, God. I need to know, do I take the job, do I not? Do I go to the school or not? Go! Mm. No, I don't hear anything. I don't know. The, the reason why we don't recognize his voice is because we don't spend enough time creating a rhythm of hearing his voice and talking to him. And, and, and Jesus invites us into that. One of my favorite verses growing up as a child was Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. That's God inviting you. Come on. Do you realize that God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it? He's not, he's not playing hide and go seek. 
cosmic hide and go seek game. And it's like, hey, God, where are you? Oh, I'm over here. <laughs> That's not what God does. So how, how do you do this? Create a rhythm. Can I just encourage you? Pray about even small things. This is how you do it. I, I, I don't know if we're, should we go on vacation this year or not? We're trying to do these things. Okay, God, would you help us? How, how do we know this? God, would you speak to us? God, God how, do, how do I hear? Pray about decisions. Pray about, should we take this job? Don't just go, okay, God, we'll take this job if they offer it to us and with a lot more money. That'll be a sign. It's from God. No, it may not be. And it might actually end up becoming a deficit of what it does in your family because you made that decision. You got to stop and ask God. He wants to show you. So ask God for confirmation through prayer. The second way you can do this is ask God to confirm his will through his word. Through, through his, that's what I mean, through his word. Like, I, I think sometimes we're like so desperate. I just, I need to hear from God. And I also feel like that God has already said so many things that can speak to us even now. And I really believe this, that there's something about the word of God. I'm not just talking about Bible and words on a page from old stories. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that this is more than that because when God breathed it, when God spoke through people, what he was doing was he was, something was reverberating in the universe. Do you know what scientists have discovered today is that our universe is still expanding even now. It's almost like when I think about Genesis 1, when God begins to speak things into existence, it's like his voice is still echoing in the universe and it is still expanding and it's still responding to what he has already said. And what I'm trying to say is that God has said things that though they don't fit your time are very timely if you will read them with an open heart and say, God, would you just speak to me? I'll give you an example how, how this has happened in my life. Several years ago in, in our church, um, we, we experienced this, this incredible fast growth we couldn't keep up with. And it was just a God thing. That's all I can say. It was, we just had one location, Lithopolis, and we, we launched here. Six months later, we're doing a campaign to build a kids' facility because we're out of room. Before we were done doing that, like we had, this auditorium in Lithopolis, if you've never been there, Lancaster, like, was a lot smaller than this. We felt like, like we, we were at capacity all the time and we felt like, okay, we need to expand the auditorium to match this. And so like we went to the bank and we said, Hey, listen, it's not going to be an expensive project, but we could, we could barely keep up with all the projects that we had had to this point and what God was doing. And so the bank said, all right, sure. And we were doing great, you know, and they're like, okay. And we're, we're like, we're going to get started. And then all of a sudden the bank called us and they said, mm, we changed our minds. Now it wasn't because of anything in our church. Our church was growing. It's because of the economy. This was about 10 years ago. The economy started to really turn and they started to kind of tighten things up. And they're like, no, we're not going to lend money. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I know this is going to limit what, what you're trying to do, God. And so we went for a whole about a year, year and a half. Just, I mean, nobody. We asked a couple people. Everybody's like, nope, nope, we won't loan. Nope, nope. And so finally, I, I, one year, is the beginning of the year, one of the things I always love to do is begin the year off with the time of prayer and fasting. I want to start the year right. It's like giving God the first. Let's give him the first of the year. And in that particular year, I said, okay, God, I need to know what to do. So my main focus was, God, I want to hear your voice. Are we supposed to expand? How does that work? That whole, it was, it was a couple weeks. Pray, I'm reading the Bible, praying, I'm asking God, come on, tell me. Nothing. I get nothing. It's the last day, the very last day of it. I didn't heard anything. I happen to be reading Exodus chapter 14. It's a story of, of God using Moses, who brought the Israelites out, 
Then they led him right to the edge of the Red Sea. And there's, they're all hemmed in. The Egyptian army changed their mind. They're coming after him. And it's like I was reading this, and Moses said something. He said to all the people who were freaking out, Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. And when I read the very next verse, something, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was like a bomb went off inside of me. Because what God said in response to Moses, I felt, I just, I don't know how else to describe, but I just felt like God was speaking it to me. God looked at Moses and God said, why are you standing around waiting for me? Raise your staff, part the Red Sea, and walk through on dry ground. And as soon as I read that, I don't know how else to describe this. I didn't hear an audible voice. and Something inside of me just went, God is saying, you need to move forward and stop waiting for me. I don't know how, just go. And so I began to get aggressive and creative and meeting business leaders and how are we gonna do this? And one of them led us to somebody who said, we'll help you get it done. And then boom, we went forward and we did it. That's all because of God's word in that one moment spoke to me. God will speak through his word. He'll speak through prayer. And the last one is this, ask God's confirmation. Ask him to confirm his will through other people. I think this is the beautiful thing about life in a church family is that you don't have to do this alone. I'm trying to figure out life on my own. You're not intended to do life on your own. That's why we are a community. Can I just encourage you when you have something in front of you and you're afraid, you're scared, and I don't know, and maybe God's put this in my heart. I feel like I'm supposed to start this nonprofit or I'm supposed to start a business or I'm supposed to go on this mission trip or start a small group or I, I don't know. Can I just encourage you? Invite other people into it. The Bible says there's safety in the counsel of many. Ask other people, ask a pastor, ask a small group leader, ask a friend. Ask a family member. In fact, I'll say this. If you are married, you have a built-in confirmation partner. If you're married and they're on the path with you, you got to build it. See, see, my wife and I, we, 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 we kind of use each other when we feel like God's put something in our heart and we have a big decision. I, I look at it that there's a confirmation that God can bring. And I remember when we were about to start this church and we felt prompted to start it. And I knew... I, I felt like I needed to get some formal education for ministry and understanding God's word. And, and so we prayed about it. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I had a full-time job. I had to keep it. I didn't know how this was going to work. We were, got, we're working on plans to start this church. And so we got together and we prayed and said, God, just show us. Give us a sign. Show us what we're supposed to be doing. I, I kid you not. It was like the next day. It was the next day or the day after that. I get a call from my wife. She's driving down the road. She said, I think I saw a sign. No, literally, it was a billboard for the, the university that I went to. It's now Ohio Christian University. They said an adult degree program one night a week. She said, I think it's a sign. I said, it is a sign. Literally and figuratively. Like, and, and that's what, like, that gave us a peace to say that's where God wants me to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, here's what I'm going to tell you. that You will not get 100%. God doesn't work that way. That's what I found out. God doesn't go, okay, here's what I want you to do. Boom. Now you got 100%. No. What will happen is God may give you peace in your heart that though it's a really scary step, you're going to have enough with the Spirit of God in you to say, okay, I'm, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm a little bit afraid, but I'm going to step anyways. I, I, I'll close with this, um, this process that I went through last summer. Last summer, I, I was at this point like... 
in this ministry and life where I didn't know what was happening, where we were going. If you've been around, we went through a really difficult season of transition. God was really doing some things in us. And I'm so thankful when I look back to say, I mean, I love where we are right now. And I'm so glad that God's timing is perfect. But all of a sudden, last summer, something began to, to shift. And all these doors, because we were going to move forward with this building this building on Gender Road. And we had priced it. We I mean, sold this building. We're renting it now. We're like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then nothing happened. And it was like doors were closed everywhere we looked. And all of a sudden, last summer, something changed. I know what that something was. It was God. Something changed. And all of a sudden, all these red, all these red lights turned into green lights with the city, with the mayor, with the uh, funding company, with the board, with all of them. Like, we're talking through this. And everywhere and every person I talk about, it's like green lights. I got to be honest with you. And I don't tell you all this stuff, you know, when it's going on. But I, I was scared to death. Because I told you that step of faith became a leap of faith. It wasn't just the Midianites, it was the Amalekites and all the other ites that all of a sudden, because that building went up about 30% cost for the exact same project, didn't change anything. Went through a difficult season, it's like, okay, I don't know what to do, I'm scared to death and I'm, 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 I'm reaching out to anybody that I know and I'm going, what do I do? And honestly, I was trying to back away from it. And so I took this season where I, I took, I took several days that I fasted, no food. I just, all I wanted to do is just pray and I just, uh, God, I need an answer. And in that season, I started looking for every option I could find other than building. I went to the schools. I went, nope, they got a construction project. Can't go there. I went here and everywhere I went, it was like door closed, door closed, door closed. And the only door that was open was moving forward. I didn't want to. I mean, I want to, but I was scared. I literally, it was a Gideon moment. I was scared. I'm asking mentors. I'm asking everyone. And by the time I got done, going through just a season of praying and fasting, I felt like God put in my spirit and said, this is the only door that I've opened for you. Are you going to walk through it? And so that's what we're doing. We're walking through it. Am I scared? Yeah. I'm like Gideon. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared. But when God prompts your heart, because listen, to doing something extraordinary for God will always take extraordinary faith. And I know this for our church, but I believe this also for your life and what God has for you. Amen. Come on, would y'all stand to your feet just as we pray? I, the reason why I like to do this is because I feel like sometimes God will give us a word that maybe is resonating with us. But, but sometimes we don't, we don't know how to respond. And I just want us to take a moment, if you just bow your heads right now and close your eyes in prayer. Just This is us coming to God. This is me coming to God and with you and on your behalf. God, I don't know what every single person here is, is facing. I don't know what, God, you're calling us to. I believe, God, that your, your spirit is, is prompting us, every one of us. Listen, I don't know what that is that God is prompting you to say, hey, I want you to do this and to step into this, that you're maybe afraid of shrinking back. Listen, you don't need to test God. You don't have to fleece God. But I just really believe in this moment that we can ask God, God, would you confirm your will? God, would you show us? And so I pray right now for every single person, God, that's at the threshold, that God, you're pushing them, you're prompting them. You're saying, it's time to get out of the comfort zone. It's time to step into something that I've called you to do. You might be ordinary, but I'm going to do something extraordinary in and through your life. I pray right now, God, that the spirit of God that dwells inside of us would come upon us. I pray, God, it would begin to fill us, Lord, with an ability to hear your voice and say, come on, let's go.
Come on, let's go.